This is the When Life Happens podcast, the real podcast all about helping real people overcome real life issues successfully. And since life never stops, let's get after it. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the When Life Happens podcast. I'm your host, William Jackson, and I am excited. You know why? Because we have another opportunity to live, learn, and grow together. And today, oh, today, on today, we are going to talk about a topic that affects us all in one way, shape, form, fashion, or another relationships it's the key ingredient to a lot of our successes failures cycles relationships we're going to dive into the aspect of really understanding how to get this thing we call love correct so we're going to dive into it but I think that it's imperative that before we go any further, first talking about the here and the now and the future is that we first have to do a inventory of the past, figuring out where we have come from, what we've been through. And sometimes we have to stop and identify the lessons that can be extracted from the losses. So we're going to talk about relationship recovery, how to recover after failed relationships. Now, you may be in a successful relationship, a successful marriage, and I hope and pray that that continues. But if you've ever been in a space where something didn't work out, where you thought that this was the one that you were going to be with, and now you are no longer with that person, you may have spent some time together, you may have built a life together that you thought was going to be your forever. And now you are faced with a different reality. I think it's imperative for us to really understand that there is some things that we need to do in order to ensure that one, we don't repeat the same mistakes and two, so that we can be better for the next go round. And a lot of us have been in situations where it didn't work. It just didn't work. No matter how hard you tried, no matter what you thought, no matter what you felt, it just didn't work out. Now, a lot of people, if we are being completely honest, really didn't do the work of healing and doing the things that were necessary to resolve completely mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically before we moved into the next And this is not often um, or not only just in intimate relationships. A lot of times we don't resolve issues that have happened when a work relationship ends. When you are working for one company and you've spent time, energy and effort, you gave this organization 15 years and and you did everything that you knew to do and, and you worked hard and you were on time and. You were the best at your job and they just let you go for financial reasons where they just decided to, quote unquote, go in another direction. 
when you hear those things and you've invested yourself, a lot of times we just move on to the next. We don't stop and say, okay, let me heal the aspects of how I feel about what just happened to me. The best thing that I can do now is to just jump into something else to distract me because we operate in the realm of distractions. We think that distractions are the key to finding a space where our heart and our mind and our spirit can remain intact. But when we avoid, we only delay. So we're going to talk about how to get into complete, full recovery and healing from relationships, from experiences that don't work out. If you've been there, this is for you. If you haven't been there, there will be a time when something doesn't work out. And we're going to talk about how to get to the place where you can fully heal and recover when it doesn't work. So uh, the backdrop for what we're going to talk about today has been set. I want to go into uh, one of the chapters of my book, When Life Happens, where it talks about the name of the chapter is actually when it doesn't work. And in this chapter, I give you certain tips and tools of how to completely recover and heal when it doesn't work. So the first thing that we're going to focus on, the first thing, I'm going to give you a few of them. So if you have something to write with, write these down, put these in a place where you can go back and revisit and you can sit with these things because it takes so many times of hearing certain things and, and being able to identify with it that it actually sticks. It's repetition is the key of being able to, to maintain and hold on to an idea is when you hear it over and over and over again, it becomes second nature. That's why jingles are so incredibly popular like the the jingles of a commercial you may never use a service but you know when you hear uh i have a structured settlement and i you just finished it some of you probably haven't finished it and i need cash now i will never call jg wentworth but i know the slogan so it's the it's the thing because I hear it over and over again. When you think about your favorite slogans, it's repetition that gets it locked into your mind. So so write these things down and go back and revisit them. So what we're talking about things that don't work, say, for instance, you've um, committed your life to a marriage and it ended in divorce. You committed your life to a job and it ended in termination. The first thing that we need to do is stop and grieve. It is very much the norm, especially in this day and age and in society, to move quickly, to move past, to get to a place where it's like, okay, you know what? I just need to get out of here and I need to do it now. And well, this didn't work. Let me jump into the next thing. That's where the people coined the term of the, the rebound relationship where you jump out of something into another. Uh, I talk about this in the, the chapter when it doesn't work. And I'm going to read some excerpts from the chapter and we're going to talk about and discuss this in more detail. There's a portion in here where it says you cannot run from grief. You have to face it head on so that you can replace it with a newfound 
happiness. When you avoid what happens, you store how you feel about what happened for a later date. I know that a lot of us, we've heard the term of sweeping things under the rug where I will deal with it later. Let me just stuff stuff away. I will be very honest. I was uh, the quintessential uh, teenage boy when it came time to clean my room and I wanted to get out um, play with my friends or do what I wanted to do in a quick fashion. I would take stuff and throw it into the closet. Hey, it's not on the bed. Bed's made. Let me just stuff stuff under the bed, you know, whatever I need to do to get it out of my sight line that would sort of quantify or be able to say, okay, this is clean. This is good enough. Let's get outside. I'm, and you ever notice when you really want to do something, <laughs> how much the things that you were supposed to do a long time ago really become the bane of your existence? Like if you to just clean your room, Two days ago, when you were first given the instruction, you knew that the weekend was coming and you were going to want to get out with your friends and ride bikes and do all of the fun things or go hang out or go to the pool, whatever you wanted to do. You knew that time was coming, but we put off so much. We put off to tomorrow what we can do today. We stuff stuff in the closet. We stick stuff under our bed. We sweep things under the rug. And a lot of times we're doing that with failed relationships is we just stuff it in the closet. That hurt. It broke my heart. Let me just sweep it under the rug. Let me just move on and let me just throw myself into work. Let me just keep it moving and let me just focus on my business. Let me just throw myself into working out and getting a, a, a newfound health enlightenment where now I want to focus on me and my body and I'm working out every day for hours. And while that may be a good thing, because now you're prioritizing your health, we are still avoiding the issue. And when you avoid how you feel about what happened, you only store it up for a later date. Yeah, you can stuff it in the closet, but guess what? Eventually, you are going to have to open that closet again because there's going to be something in there that you're going to need. But the problem is, is when we open that closet door, we're going to have to fight through all of the things that we tried to avoid and to hide and to conceal before we can ever get to the place where we can access what we really need. We have to get to the place where you stop and grieve. It says this in the chapter, starting anything new while having unresolved issues from something that previously happened is setting yourself up for failure. You have to grieve, not just for yourself, but for those you will connect with next. Making the new person pay for what the old person did to you is unfair. And that is inevitable if you don't deal with your feelings about what happened. Because it is going to rear its head at one point or another. You could be having the best relationship and then all of a sudden something bumps that wound or opens that closet door or looks under the bed. And then now you're re-triggered because we didn't take the time to stop and grieve. 
there's a method that I teach uh, the people that I work with. It's called the grieve and go. And I talk about this in the book as well. And it's a play on the sports term, the give and go, where you would give something to someone, uh, you pass the ball to someone, and then you would go to a certain spot and then you would pick it back up. And then that would put you in a position to have a higher probability of scoring. And in that same type of model, a lot of us don't grieve because I'll be very honest. When I lost my grandmother, I did not grieve at all. And this was the most important person in my entire world. When I lost her, I just threw myself back into work. She passed and I had to do a conference that night. It was one of those things where I just kept it moving because people needed me, where people uh, were counting on me. I had a lot of responsibility and a lot of people who were counting on me to be at my top, at the, the best uh, version of myself. And I didn't grieve. And this is how I developed this process is because I, I knew that even though I sort of transitioned into a space where I was sort of numb and I wasn't really in tune with how I was feeling, that I was uh, eroding away on the inside. And it wasn't until I came face to face to say, okay, you know what? I know that if I open this door of grief, that I have a high probability of traveling down into a spiral of depression because of how much it hurts. And a lot of times we avoid the hurt because if I really face it and I have to feel it and I have to sit in it, it can really do some damage. So I had to get to the place where I say, you know what, this is what I'm going to do. And this is the premise of the grieve and go and uh, teach people and my clients and and even executives of getting to the place where you start to grieve regularly and you can get that negative emotion out because if you hold it in and you keep stuffing stuff in the closet when you open it up it's just like when you stuff your clothes in the drawers or you stuff too much snacks or whatever into your pantry and you stick it in there and close the door real fast or even when you're trying to pack the trunk and you're trying to get all of these bags and and all of these items into your trunk and you patch it and you, you put it in there and you close it real fast when you open it <laughs> everything is falling out everything so while it may get you to another destination when you open it again it's all coming out anyway so the premise of the grieving go is this. I knew that if I stayed in that place of really feeling how I felt for too long, I would slip into a dark space. So I set a timer and I said, you know what? For 30 minutes, I am going to feel how I feel. I'm going to embrace it to the depths of the anger, the hurt, the all of the feelings that I am feeling, I'm going to feel them completely. And if I need to cry, if I need to yell, if I need to just sit in a corner, whatever I need to do within these 30 minutes, I am going to give myself the freedom to grieve fully. But when that 30 minute timer ends, I'm going to regather myself, regroup, get myself together and get back on with the things that I am responsible for. 
Now, what did this do? This gave me an opportunity to get the feelings out, but in a controlled fashion. You have to get to the place where you are consistently able to grieve. When you are grieving things that have happened, that have ended, anything that ends, there is a system in your brain that wants to really effectively grieve what has ended. Everything comes to an end, things change, seasons change, even when things have ended for your betterment. Like say, for instance, you were working this job and you left this job for a better job. You still need to take a time, some time there, a moment to grieve the transition. Because wherever you are, wherever you have spent time, you are investing yourself into this place, into this relationship, into this situation. And when that investment ends, there is a part of you that needs to reconcile with the new adjustment. There's a part of you, even if they did you wrong, even if you finally realized that you were in a toxic place, even if you were moving on to bigger and better things, there is still a part of you that needs to reconcile where you can stop and say, wow, okay, I invested myself in this has changed. My life now looks completely different from what I thought it was going to be. How do I feel? Let me embrace it so that I can get it out so it does not prevent me from accomplishing the things that I need to accomplish in the future. So you have to stop and grieve. And sometimes grieving is a process. It's over time. If you're grieving, if you're implementing the grieve and go, you grieve for a minute and you get up and go, you have to consistently do it over time. We get to a place where we feel like the feelings are manageable and then we just stop the process. We feel like, okay, I feel like I'm in a good place. I feel like I'm in a, an okay space. Then I don't need to continuously go back and work on myself. I don't need to go back and grieve anymore because I feel like it's manageable now. And when you stop a process prematurely, what happens is you lose the progress that you were creating. And now you have to start all over when you come back to it because everything is momentum based. We live life from a place of momentum. When you when you can hit your sweet spot in life is when things are clicking, when it's one win after another, when you can start stringing them together, one happy moment after another happy moment. Like the, the key of overcoming a lot of depression is being able to string good moments together, like good thoughts, good, good energy. When you can string that together, you create momentum. And now we're rocking and rolling in life. But. On the same flip side, you can also create a negative momentum where you start focusing on the loss or the lack or the hurt. And then that starts to affect you and you start to have a bad day. And if I don't resolve or go back to the things that were creating a positive momentum, then that bad day will lead to another bad day. And then that bad day will lead me into a week. Next thing you know, it's been two months and I feel like I haven't had any good days because our momentum is off. And we got to get to the place that a lot of times we can stop and grieve so that we can create the positive momentum for our next. Because 
we, until we rationalize and reconcile with what happened, we will be continued to be tainted in our now and we'll take the tainted version of ourselves into our next and then we'll taint our next. That's why we get into relationships and people say, look, I didn't do that to you. I'm not them. You get into another job and you're automatically defensive and people are like, hey, what's your problem, man? Listen, we're just trying to work together because we have unresolved issues. And it's not until we're able to heal where we can stop and grieve that we can actually move on effectively into what's next, right? So that's just the first thing. We got a few of these. So the first one is you got to stop and grieve. The next thing that you got to do when it doesn't work is this is this is the one where we lose some people and it gets a little uncomfortable is because you have to stop and look in the mirror. Dun, dun, dun. It is very easy, if we're being very honest, to say it was their fault. They did. Well, if they hadn't, well, if if they would have done this, then I would have. It's very easy to point out the speck in someone else's eye when you have a full plank in yours. It's very easy. But in order to get to a place where we can move on effectively, I need to learn. I need to stop and look in the mirror. I need to learn what did I do wrong? Because if I can't learn from my mistakes, I am bound to repeat them. If it failed and I don't know why or, or how I was complicit in the failure, I am going to repeat that same behavior because I'm thinking that it was just their fault. I got to stop and look in the mirror. I got to ask myself some questions. Could I have done more? Could I have given a little bit more grace? How did I contribute to the demise of this situation? What was my part in it? I am very much a look in the mirror, self-reflective person first. I start there. Whenever there's a situation, if something went wrong, okay, what did I do? Could I have done something better? Could I have been more effective? Could I have, I, I will own 100% of the time what I did wrong because as a leader, as a leader, I just always feel like we win because of us, but we lose because of me. I take this idea into business. We win because of our team. When my marriage is my marriage is so blissful and happy and strong, it's because of us. But if there's a kink or if there's an issue, then I automatically think, okay, maybe I could have done something better. I could have said something better if, if there was something that was ever there or happening in, in my work relationship or uh, could, I have, could I have been a better version of myself? When we start there, when that's your baseline and that's your foundation and we're looking inward, then we're in a place where we can learn. Then we're in a place where we can grow. And then we're in a place where we can be better for whatever's next. What did I do wrong? What could I have done better? Did I give 100% of myself? And here's the truth. If you can look in and say that you did, 
you gave 100% of yourself, you did the very best that you can do, then guess what? Pat yourself on the back, reconcile with that moment, and then we'll move on to the next step. If you can 100% say that you gave 100% of yourself, you gave everything you had every day, because what happens is we'll give the best version of ourselves for a while. You come to work on time for a few months, then it starts to drift. You start doing the bare minimum. You slip into the place where you uh, succumb to your environment, to the people that you're working around. You succumb to what your friends are saying about how you should act or maneuver in relationships. And then things begin to drift. Can I go back and find something that I can say, hey, I could have done that better? Because that is the lesson that I can take with me now. And I can prevent these same issues in the next. So you got to look in the mirror. You have to look in the mirror and you have to be honest with yourself. We have a tendency as humans is that we want to see ourselves in the best possible light. It is just wired in us when we see ourselves, we want to see ourselves as the superhero of the story and never the villain. We want to see ourselves as the one who saves the day and not the one who calls the chaos. But when we're honest with ourselves, we need to be able to see both sides of the coin. So you got to look in the mirror, got to look in the mirror and be honest with yourself. Be honest, be honest. The next thing that you got to do, this is a key one. It's after you've grieved and you've looked in the mirror, you've identified the things that have happened that you could have been better at, the things that you could have done, the things that you were complicit with. You have to now do the work of digging up the root, the root of why it all fell apart. Because here's another truth a lot of times when things take a turn, it's because people are operating or addressing or interacting with each other on the basis of petals, the, the icing on the cake. When you hear that, well, that was the icing on the cake. That was the straw that broke the camel's back. Yeah, that might have been the straw. But do you realize how much straw had to be on this camel's back? for one final straw to actually break it? Do you realize how many ingredients have to go into a cake before we even get to the icing? We gotta get to the place where we dig up the root. What is the root of this issue? What happened here? Why did we get here? And here's the truth, here's the truth, is that a lot of times when we start really digging up roots, you'll find that some of these roots had nothing to do with the situation that you just came out of. A lot of people enter relationships with unhealed trauma from their past, from their childhood, from their parents. We carry these things because we accept that it was just the way of life. But we don't necessarily understand that in the first six years of your life, you are molded in a way that things become second nature and they become a part of you. 
And then if you haven't taken the time in your adult years of being able to dig up some roots and realize that there was some unhealed trauma from your parents or unhealed trauma of where you were mishandled or misused or even possibly abused. If we haven't healed that trauma of the past and dug up that root, we will continue to address people and interact with them on the basis of petals. Now, what does a pedal look like? A pedal is when I begin to get triggered about something that has nothing to do with the core of my issue. When I begin to get triggered about something that has nothing to do, I'll give you a very surface example. You go into a job and someone comes over to your desk and borrows your stapler without asking you and you come in and you look for your stapler and you can't find it and you're surveying the people who you're working around and you finally come to the culprit and you go off because they took your stapler without asking. Now, from a natural perspective, you're going to think, Bro, it's just a stapler. But that pedal is a level of significance because that is a sign that there's a deeper root there. You naturally wouldn't go off about a stapler. But if you grew up in a household where everything was snatched from you and you had no say so, where you were manipulated and abused and you had no privacy and people began to impose their will upon you and they began taking stuff from you or you grew up in a home where people stole things from you and you had no sense of safety and security now it starts to make sense as to why when someone snatches something from you without asking, it reminds you of a place in your childhood that is unhealed and now you are triggered. But we got to get to the place where we're digging up the root. Because if not, these petals will begin to be the source of the demise of our relationships. Well, that's all the time that we have for today. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the When Life Happens podcast. I hope that you found this episode both impactful and inspiring. Before you go, like and share the show, subscribe to it, leave us a comment, rate us and review us on all podcast platforms. Your engagement helps us reach more people and create a better show. But the fun doesn't have to stop here. If you're interested in more resources and tools of how to live a fulfilled life and step fully into your purpose or purchase your copy of the life-changing book, When Life Happens, head over to www.theofficialwilliamjackson.com for more information. Until next time, keep rising, keep thriving. And remember that no matter what life throws your way, you have everything inside of you you need to overcome and succeed when life happens.